Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. So, hey everybody, we are back for another episode of Grand Moff Talkin'. Every week, we bring you delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic. Brought to you lovingly and weekly, I already said that, increments by the loquacious yet soothing voice of your host, Riley. Hi. Jake. Hey, Star Wars fans. And musical guest, Isaac. Hi. So, oh, brother. Yep, so here we are, guys. We are almost out of the prequels, guys. We got... One oh. little baby prequel left. Guys, isn't it funny to say that this is the best of the prequels? It's a funny joke that I've not heard anybody say. That is Huff Post worthy if I ever heard an article <laughs> in my life. Is this so, going to be the first episode where we all agree on the quality of a movie? Yeah. I think, it, it I think, that way I think it might from, be. From the sweet hints you've been dropping, guys. I we think. have been dropping some really sweet hints. I've been dropping hints spelled out in Skittles. I'm, <laughs> I, usually, I usually drop hints like three or four times a week. But I have been dropping hints like daily for the past two weeks. Right, and I have sometimes that, even twice a day. I have that medical problem we were talking about, so I drop hints almost hourly. If you hear that sound at home, folks, you know what that means. <laughs> so <laughs> we are talking about Rogue One today, guys. And right at the top of the show, I wanted to do in the vein of a Jim Rome, in the vein of a Colin Coward, all of oh, your boy. favorite sports hosts on the radio. I have zero of those. <laughs> they like to start they off make my show. top zero sports hosts <laughs> i want to talk about something that people after they've seen rogue one in the the months that have transpired transpired since rogue one came out or did you mean to say transcripted trans train spotted <laughs> and Trainspotted. the narrative i've seen transpire from the bottom 10 percentile of good twitter opinions is <laughs> the one that people have talked about how they notice in Rogue One that they either like it or they just notice it, but they talk about that the Force is not present in Rogue One. And it's, it's cool to see a movie without the Force. What? And that's what I've seen. I've seen it a lot. And what You've I seen think, lies and slander. The thing, yes, you're scratching me where I itch right now, because I think what people are doing is they're calling a tissue a Kleenex, where oh, my goodness. Kleenex is a brand of tissues. And it's almost like... Since there's no Jedi in Rogue One, then the Jedi are Feel the Feel free Kleenex. to start skipping forward a little no, bit. No, 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 please, no. I don't understand what he's saying. I want you to listen to me, guys. <laughs> okay. It's the least you could do. But Right now it's the most I can do. Um, but anyway, so the Jedi are the Kleenex, the Force is a tissue. <laughs> These are different things, What's guys. a napkin? What are the boogers? <laughs> the napkins are dark Jedi. <laughs> The Force, I would argue, as we go through this, is the main character in oh this God, movie. still talking. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. All I wanted to do was talk about the Force. I thought we liked Star Wars. I thought we liked the Force. I just like messing with you. I do want to talk about Star Wars. You the Wars. You are the jock I at the gym who drops the weight bar on me. He's like, hey, man, can't you take a joke? The irony just of that. Josh with you, bro. The irony of that statement, because I am anything but that dude at the gym. <laughs> Why, because you're in the hospital a lot? Because you're weak? Small? <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. <laughs> Good. Because I'm a piece of garbage. But as we go through this, I, I, I want to highlight the Force is plays such an integral role in this movie. Darth Vader is the only one who manipulates the Force in this movie. Mm. But We could debate this. Oh boy. We will debate this. All right, but... Uh, we shall. There are two characters that pray in this movie. I had never seen in Star Wars they people watched the pray. movie pray. <laughs> Would you stop? After they <laughs> ate and before they loved. Yes, I get it. <laughs> this is such a good podcast, guys. Keep going. Why am I not subscribed? <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of once again, I have a good rant and then it just kind of gets cut off at the knees at some point. <laughs> It's all Jake's fault. Yes, I think we is. all know where I'm going, though, guys. Oh, absolutely. No, totally agree with you. That's crazy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to cut you off. <laughs> so that's what that feels like. All right. It's a reference to a Batman movie. So let's jump into this movie, guys. Yes. And let's kind of just get get the cobwebs, like shake the cobwebs out. Just kind of the, I'm, I'm thinking of like the, the hot talking points of this movie. So what I wanted to get out of the way right off the top was kind of just like shake out the cobwebs of our Rogue One discussion and kind of get our general consensus on a lot of the talking points that I've Shake heard discussed. Talking Taylor Swift. Talking. On Grand Pop <laughs> Talking. 
let's go right off the bat. What did you guys think of the lack of an opening crawl in Rogue One? I like it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> See where I'm coming from. The joke is uh, I interrupt people a lot because I think it's funny. Um, you know, when I was like, the, I was one of those people leading all the way up to the movie. I was like, this movie doesn't need an opening crawl because this was a debate that people were having was, how can you have Star Wars without an opening crawl? And I felt like it wasn't that important. And I saw it, and I thought it needed an opening crawl. And I still think, I think the movie is great. I think it works without it. My one thing is, there's a certain irony in how Disney was concerned about how can we make people know that this isn't episode eight? How do we get people to understand, just general audiences understand, that this is a prequel, that, you know, it takes place between such and such. There's a built-in way in Star Wars to give people an information about what time period a movie takes place in. It's an opening crawl. So I think that that's a little weird. I think it might have helped with the confusion because when my parents saw this, they didn't know until the very end of the movie when they saw Leia. They didn't understand oh, really? the whole time. So I think some audience members were confused by it. I, you could almost collectively hear the audience go, huh, in the mm-hmm. movie theater when the you know it didn't start. Mm-hmm. But no, I like it, and I think that we'll get into it more, I'm sure. Giacchino's score like his little score for the rogue one title card it's pretty good stuff Mm -hmm. so my general opinion on that is yeah i was coming where you were coming from was that i i didn't care necessarily like if episode eight doesn't have an opening crawl that's a problem yeah because that's an episodic movie you'll tweet a ryan johnson so hard (laughs) so hard and he might tweet back at me like he did that one time that one person (laughs) this is a good story it could be you I kind of felt like an opening crawl may have been a little bit redundant for Rogue One because more or less this was the opening crawl of A New Hope from a point of view. So if you were to, it's like, where where does it end? But the thing is, like, I've heard people say too, like, well, everything in Star Wars has an opening crawl. The books do. Even Lego Star Wars, a video game, has opening crawls. Even Legos. You open up a Lego box, it's got a long opening crawl piece of paper in there. Even the Ninjago sets. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) My torso. It was all about that stuff. Yeah, I remember that episode. But anyway... (laughs) Yeah, so I was I was very okay with that. I I almost was hoping that it wouldn't have an opening crawl, and I was huh. honestly pretty excited that it didn't have an opening crawl because I just I, I felt that in order to stand alone, this was how you got something to stand alone. Because like you were talking, Jake, I think I kind of understood your viewpoint on that, but I kind of took the opposite side of like Star Wars does have that iconic built-in way to explain where you are in time, and Rogue One decided to do that a different way with a prologue, and so. I felt as a standalone movie, it made the right move in getting rid of the crawl. This movie, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it took a lot of risks filmmaking-wise that I think will pay off, perhaps, in even episode eight and later oh. episodes. What do you think, Riley, of the uh, lack of the crawl? Yeah, I'm on your side, Isaac. It, you didn't want one? Basically? No, I didn't want one. Hmm. I didn't want one, and everything has had an opening crawl and i'm fine with it like i'm with isaac if it's not an episode eight that would be crazy but it's going to be there and if the han solo movie doesn't have one good if the next one after that doesn't have one good the the star wars stories i don't think need now once you wars stories the war stories once you get star story (laughs) the stars once you get past episode nine i don't know what they're going to do because if we don't have another trilogy of episodic movies do right. you bring them back for certain movies or not? Like it'll be weird, but you know they'll figure it out. That is interesting because the rumors right now are are kind of that the plan is to only do standalone movies for a while after yeah. Episode Nine comes out. So mm-hmm. it would be weird to not see the Star Wars theme for a in long like time. Several Star Wars, yeah. Movies. But imagine if they didn't do it five. 10 years later they do yeah. episode 10 and then after oh. that long gap you hear the yeah then it's gonna, gonna feel mm-hmm. tingly it's and like, mingly it's like disney's thought about this they might have thought about some things it's like they're really good at nostalgia it might have stuff. come up in conversation yeah. for them at some point <laughs> here's a, just a quick opinion i really really hope episode 9 is the end of the skywalker saga yeah me too because in a way i've i think we talked about this on our bonus episode which might be out by now but it wasn't could might never is. come out. <laughs> it might if not. it hasn't, yet, it was kind of rough. Then I mentioned on there that I love episodes one through six so much as just a six movie story, and it's fine that we have episode seven, eight, nine. I've loved episode seven so far, but I would be so okay with episode nine being the end of the Skywalkers, or at least our storytelling of them in this format. Can I use this as a springboard to start jumping into the movie as a maybe like our general consensus on the movie? Oh, sure, why not? Hmm? So 
I too, like you, was totally okay with Star Wars just being one through six. And obviously, we've talked about it a lot. I like Star Wars as a numerical saga. And I was a little skeptical of episode seven and particularly the spinoff movie just because it felt like, what are they they doing here? I'm not a big fan of the expanding universe. Now they're doing that with movies. But um, the... um, I will say this, a problem, <laughs> and also, I mentioned that I love Revenge of the Sith at the beginning of our last episode. By the end of it, I didn't say anything good about it the whole time, but I do love Revenge of the Sith. A problem I had with it was that as much as I liked that movie, I didn't feel like it was a great lead into A New Hope. It didn't really build up the Death Star as being particularly important. Mm-hmm. It hinted at it in for two seconds in episode two, and it left off in a place where suddenly Revenge of the Sith ends with there's going to be something called an empire happening pretty soon and there's still clones and things like that then you have 19 smash years smash cut to yeah. 19 years later darth vader is killing people there's you know it, it's a bit of a harsh cut my opinion on this movie was despite being skeptical of it it feels essential now like it feels like such a crucial connective tissue it goes back to that thing i mentioned in our first episode where george lucas when he was originally laying out what he thought the star wars saga might look like an idea for there being a prologue, which turned out to be episode one. But he had an idea that there would be an interlude between what would become Revenge of the Sith and what would become to be named A New Hope. So this feels like a really natural fit, and it's mm-hmm. now I can't imagine not having this movie. Yeah. Yeah, my general feeling on this movie, uh, Riley and I talked about this for a second before uh, Jake got here. I'm sorry to ruin the party. <laughs> yeah. Diva. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to be a little bit later than two. <laughs> I've got to go to the hospital and do my nails again. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what happens. I didn't do my nails there, but I, I did go to the hospital first a little bit. <laughs> For what this time? Well. What this time? My hands are being replaced by bionicle claws. <laughs> is your body going to be just one amalgamation of the worst of Lego over the past 30 years at I'm some point? I'm just dreading the connector sets and Lincoln Logs, but yes. <laughs> Appropriate. Anyway, so my feeling on Rogue One is I did not. I expected to be to like this movie because I like Star Wars, obviously. But I didn't. Have expect- we talked about how we like Star Wars in the show? <laughs> did we talk about it on our Attic of the Clones episode? I don't think we did. I don't think we talked about Revenge of the Sith. It might not be a bad idea to catch people up on how we feel about Star Wars. I like Star Wars. Yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty good. Okay. I did not expect Rogue One to be such a grower. I thought I would like it pretty well. I thought that I would re- I would see it a few times in theaters. I would get it on Blu-ray and watch it once and be like, that was sufficient. Watch the special features and then put it in the shelf along with the rest of the Star Wars collection. But I just keep going back to this movie over and over. And every time I feel like it just keeps getting better and better. I really, really love this movie. And I f- maybe we'll get into this more too. I feel like comparing it to The Force Awakens is a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison. But... I guess in terms of times I've is seen it the a movies, tissue napkin comparison? <laughs> no, that's a different analogy entirely. If you were to listen to the opening of the episode, you would know exactly what I'm talking about on that. I wasn't really paying attention. But okay, but yeah, I think I've seen this more than The Force Awakens. I find myself revisiting oh. this movie more than The Force Awakens. Like I can't stop watching this movie. Like this is a movie that you should maybe stop a little bit. Like you really can't stop watching it. What? You we're, we're just podcasting. Like I can keep the movie on my phone. While... You should. I mean, you should sleep sometimes. I've only gone You're going to have to go to the hospital. Through like No, that's your thing, Jake. All right. <laughs> Riley, what do you think of Rogue One? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to echo the things you guys said. It's it's great. It grows on me each time I watch it, like Isaac like said, a like a fungus. Um, I a watched I watched like it again today and I liked it even more than when I saw it in theaters. And it was it's it's a good good movie. You I know love what? It. I like Star Wars. I like this movie. I don't like it more than Force Awakens, but I do love it. I also don't. Can I tell you what? I forgot to mention this. Isaac, do you remember this? When I first saw this movie, I texted you. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. (laughs) I was going to say, like, I felt like your consensus was, like, good, not great. Honestly, yeah. Like, by the end. That's what I gathered from you. I don't know. Battle of Scarif, I thought was fantastic. And by the end of the movie, I I was really won over. But when this movie started, I was like, uh uh-oh. I don't like this at all, and I, I don't know what kind of bug got up my 
beehive, but I didn't. <laughs> was this like last time Riley watched Revenge of the Sith and he was just like... A clear, some, apparently yeah. just, he had some kind of like life-threatening disease yeah, happening I think, I think at the, the same big, time. Yeah, I think the big just difference... like punching a wall every time a lightsaber was ignited right. in Revenge of the Sith. I think the big difference is that Rogue One is like a really good movie oh, and Revenge of the Sith still sucks. Yeah. That's no. the big difference. More like Revenge of the Stiff. What a Riley being the Stiff. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, Hot takes McGee over here coming at you with his easy bake oven. So, you know, the opening of this movie, because I'm sure we can just kind of jump in and talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But when I first saw this movie, I did not like the opening at all. I didn't think this scene on, uh-oh. Uh, does it say, I don't think it says the name of the first Grass one. Dirt oh. World. <laughs> I'd have to look that up. That's the one, that's where labeling the planets comes in handy. I was going to bring the visual I don't dictionary think, I don't for think just they, such an occasion. I don't think they label the very first one. No. Either. Guys, we're not real fans. Because the one that Jen is on is called Wobani. I will use the magic internet machine while you guys talk. Because on Wobani, that's the point where the prisoner right. camp is. Because that's Obi-Wan. Anagram. Right, yeah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So, we're not real fans. I didn't like this opening. I didn't like... Fun the... fact, guys. Oh, okay, I was done. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's what you do. <laughs> but if you Google opening planet, the first thing that comes up after opening planet is opening planet Rogue One. So oh, other people have had this question too. Okay, so... Other people uh, like Star Wars? I don't... This is a pretty niche thing. We gotta say it loud, say it proud. <laughs> Lamu. L-A-H. Apostrophe M-U. French for the cow. <laughs> Lamu. As you were saying, Jake, before I rudely interrupted you. I would never do that to you. Um, the, <laughs> the um, I didn't like how mishmash this opening was with with cutting to different characters, and uh, I just for some reason the acting felt a little cheesy. And I right off the bat, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker, one of my favorite actors, but you gotta be careful. You don't know what you're gonna get with Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I want to, like, kind of just kind of screech the brakes here just for a second before, like, all of Act 1 or the opening 20, 30 minutes. The 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 prologue, the prologue itself, when I first saw the movie, I thought to myself, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, but this could be also one of the worst parts. And I think that because I read the Catalyst novel, and I finished it probably, like, the Tuesday or the Wednesday before I saw Rogue One. And if you read Catalyst before you see Rogue One, I feel like it makes the emotional impact of the prologue incredible. And I feel like mm. if the average person who walks into the movie theater, they might be lost even if they're going to see the, the this prologue and like, why do I care about this Lyra Urso getting shot? Why is she acting like this? Why right. is Krennic acting like this? It's just kind of you're just dropped into the middle of the bucket and you have really nothing to go off of. My, my defense of it is the next time you watch it, because now I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. And... um when, when you watch it again, you have greater appreciation for why that scene was important. But the first time I watched it, and I think a lot of people who dislike this movie uh, have seen it one time, which is fair. You can't expect people to see a movie multiple times. Right. Or a 99 times short for a real fan. <laughs> I did not read that book, and I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, I'm really fascinated by the idea of Star Wars as this like, multimedia art project where it's one story being told across a bunch of different artistic mediums by a bunch of different authors and filmmakers and, you know, artists. Uh, on the other hand, it makes for a not great opening your initial encounter. I will say that. Mm -hmm. But that book is good. I've read it since. Did you read Catalyst, Riley? Yeah, I What did you before. think of, did you read it before Rogue One? Mm -hmm. What do you think it did to the prologue? Oh, it helps you a lot because you you care about these characters. The whole book is from the point of view uh, of Galen and, and Lyra. And so, yeah, you, well, I guess a little Krennic too, but yeah, you, a little Krennic. you know what's going a on. A you, know, in Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> you know why they're hiding on the planet. You know what's happened before you know the history. And it, yeah, it definitely adds a whole lot when you, when you know that. It's cliche to talk about. Let's talk about it so that we can then move on. The other thing that is stupid about this opening that everybody's comments on, Krennic and the Death Troopers. <laughs> They park seven miles away oh. from the house <laughs> ah, whatever. for absolutely I don't care. no reason, other than the fact that it looks cool. But I don't it care. looks dumb because those idiots could have just parked right on top of their house. <laughs> yeah, I don't he was care. just like, "Let's take a little walk today, guys." Mm -hmm. I'm feeling dramatic. I was gonna say, I think that falls in the category of it was cool enough to where, yeah, I don't care either. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> there are certain. Things. That's what you guys said about the prequels. That's what I'm saying about Rogue One. <laughs> I don't care that it's a dumb plan. It was cool. <laughs> All right, Jake. <laughs> now, can I can I talk about Gareth Edwards for a little bit? Talk about him as much as you want. I have all. Day. Ready, set, hike. Ready, set, Gareth Edwards. He is. You guys are gonna hate this. Uh oh. He is the prime example 
of what I want a visual director to be, I think he takes George Lucas to school in this movie. Expound. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy to say. I think he does visual references and things like that. And some of his, and some of his, some of the scenes reminiscent of Godzilla in some scenes, which he also did. But I think he has visuals that are on par, if not better than, than George Lucas in the very beginning of this movie, very, very beginning after the title card and you come up on the planet and you have the ring around the planet and half of the ring is in shadow and it's a perfect triangle. It looks exactly like a new hope. You have this triangle gray ring coming into frame slowly. Yeah. And that is the kind of visual reference I like that you I didn't notice that the first couple times I watched it. And it's just it's just a tiny little hey look. This is right before A New Hope, and, but you get that with that. I, I love What kind I love of nerd spends a bunch of time talking about shadows yeah, I know, and visual right? filmmaking? Oh, I've got more to say about shadows lame. in this oh, movie. No, okay. I'm going to was... tell you something right now. I just pulled up my notes. I wrote my first note. This might be the best looking Star Wars movie. I was about made. to say. Absolutely. It's so good looking. As a, it's as good looking as me. As a big George <laughs> head, I will stop short. I heard that joke. I acknowledge it. And Thank you so much. Please continue. <laughs> as a George head, as a Lucas head, I will stop I short like of that. saying that he was <laughs> that Gareth is a better visual director than George Lucas. Although, like I, I can't, I won't be able to say that Gareth is worse though, because <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you. Like, He's very good. As I go through this movie, like a lot of my notes, I'm saying like this looks really cool. This looks really cool. This looks really cool. Ninety percent of my notes are, this looks amazing. This looks amazing. Actually, I lied. My first note is something else. You might have anticipated that. <laughs> but the um, people seem really split on Giacchino's score for this movie. And I don't understand that because this score is bomb. It is so good. Giacchino's Imperial theme in this movie is almost as good as the Imperial March. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's so it's I good. hum this all the time. It's great. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah, there's nothing about the score in this movie I don't like. And we'll get to it later, but I remember uh, the one little bit... They did one episode of Auction, right, on Rogue One. Did you say Auction? Auction. <laughs> Star Wars Auction. Dave Clins did one episode on Star Wars Auction. <laughs> but I think, yeah, he, he talked about it for one episode, and he talked about how uh, Giacchino used... He talked about it for one episode, and then mysteriously, Oxygen's been missing for a while. <laughs> it's weird. I wonder why. It is very strange. Curious. <laughs> but uh, he uses that old like uh, Catholic choir chant, the DSE Ray. Right. Mm-hmm. The way he uses that in this movie and how he he builds the anticipation until like the full statement of DSE Ray mm-hmm. in, uh, in Act 3, like that right there. Like that is the perfect, like if I'm doing something important in life, even if I'm just going to put my shoes on, I'm tempted to put that song on as I walk toward the <laughs> shoes. Just the... And as soon as I start tying the shoelaces, it's just like the perfect like lead up and then explosion at the end. I love it so much. He did it's say weird. musical guest Isaac, and he's <laughs> he's proved himself right. Um, That's true. I forgot about that. Giacchino's uh, callbacks to John Williams' score also are really good. First time you see Vader oh in, in the vat, and you get the Vader theme from A New Hope. The original Vader. Theme. Yeah, and then and then you get the Imperial March when he walks out to Krennic. But it, yeah, just little callbacks like that. There's a section in on on Jedha, um, when they first find out that Bodhi's in the cell next to them in in Saul's place, and these little like this little flute melody comes in. Another callback. Yeah. Like he does a really good job of establishing his own voice with the movie and his own themes and calling back at the right times to the old themes. I have a lot to say about this score throughout our episode. Um, so, I'm sorry, Isaac, go ahead. No, yeah, you're, you're good. I think I'm kind of we're going to the same place. Yeah, after the the prologue. Let's also just quick, we kind of should probably scoot a little bit because we already talked about the score a lot. <laughs> but the main title for Rogue One, another complaint I heard was that this seemed a little bit elementary. This seemed a little bit like the 80s movies that tried to rip off of Star Wars, that the theme from Rogue One was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Watching it over and over again, it's definitely, I mean, I never had a problem with it in the first place, but it just keeps getting better for me also, considering that statement is made throughout the movie, that main title. It's it's really good. The, the thing that makes it work, because the first time you see it, I agree, I was like, Wah. but then, what's great is that main theme only comes back, I think, one time in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, and it comes when the 
No, it doesn't. No. It comes it at comes a really back. climactic moment in the Battle of Scarab. It's, it's in there about five yeah. times, I think four or five times. It's full, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it's but fully... It's I'm not, not a real fan. It's not a lot. Isn't it fully stated again when like the Star Destroyer crashes into... That's what I was the, about uh, to say. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was when it was... Fully I think it might be when the uh, Hammerhead Corvette is pile driving the Star Destroyer into the other one. That was my initial thought, but... But yeah, I think that places. that's when it kind of all the sound cuts out and it starts getting into the ending, the quiet. That's well, yeah, quiet. when the Star Destroyer the very takes out, lost like kind of extended sequence where all the sound gets muffled and it's just piano music. That's yeah, when the Star Destroyer takes out the planet hole, then the uh, piano music starts. The old they... planet hole. <laughs> yeah. I know there's there's about five or six times. I only know that because I went to the David Collins panel about the music. So jealous of that celebration, and he he showed each time that that theme comes back up again. Oh. And it was about five or six times. David Collins, please come on the show and just do that. <laughs> panel for us because yeah, me and Isaac didn't get to see it. Please. <laughs> Alright, so after that, um, I feel like there's not much to say. I mean, Ring of we're, caffeine. We're, we're like, introduced to Jen and then we do, we oh, go to the... I like, I like the line, the... I like the line, the, they're getting very meta with the, uh, their sort of opening lines. Yes. You know, with the beginning of Force Awakens. We'll get there like, with the Force Awakens. But then in this one, is Saul says the Jin come proud. We've got a long ride ahead of us. I'm like, oh, come on, movie. You know it is. You like, know what you're doing, but I don't We also care. have like a long it. movie ahead of us. Yeah, I like it. I like it, though. When he, he does wink right in the camera and do like a thumbs up. I love that cheesy Freeze stuff. frame. Start in the 80s music. Of all movies. So uh, right off the bat, I'm going to say... First lines out of Forrest Whitaker's mouth. I'm like, what's he doing with his voice in this movie? We'll After, get back to it later. Well, his voice is normal in the beginning. Uh, I disagree. You think he's doing the weird I voice thing? think it sounds thing? dumb from minute one. Really? Well, like I in the flashback? It sounds My child. It he sounds different sound than no, the Rebels episodes he was on. Yeah. Where I feel like that he was He just more... sounds like normal Forrest Whitaker. He's not doing the voice at all. He he's sounds... like, hey guys, it's me, Forrest Whitaker. Sounds Great a impression. a little more adjacent <laughs> to the voice of the Saw Gerrera from the Clone Wars. I feel like the Rebels one is more close to that. But that was the... what was so confusing to me, is that the Rebels episode, he sounds completely normal. And then in the intro, when he when he yells out to Jin, he still has kind of a weird voice. Kind of, but it's not. It's nothing like it's later. It's not as raspy. Yeah. And, yeah. Later, he's just like... yeah. I think his throat is gone. Anyway, I don't want to skip over this moment because it goes from Lamu <laughs> to the cow. Uh, no, it goes to the... Uh, is it Wobani? Is that the planet that she's on in the prison cell? Yeah. This image of her in the prison cell and looking out and seeing a stormtrooper walking and guarding prison cells mm -hmm. is just one of those images that you can't believe you never had in Star Wars. And mm -hmm. this is what I love about this movie is establishing... How oppressive the Empire is. One thing I, I never... Spoilers for our original trilogy episode. I never felt like the original trilogy did a... Or the prequel trilogy did a great job of showing the oppressive force of the bad guys. Like, the Empire never really felt like an Empire to me. It felt like there was a Death Star and there was a bunch of stormtroopers, sometimes places. But you never saw, like, a city under siege from stormtroopers. Yeah. You never saw, like an oppressive regime for the most part. And you get it a lot of places in this movie. You get it a lot. And this t is one of those things where it feels essential now because it's establishing... Oh, the Empire is bad. <laughs> yeah, the Empire is a huge deal. It's everywhere. They're always interrogating people. Like, even when we go to the Ring of Kefreen, am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. You see in the background, stormtroopers interrogating people everywhere. Where are you going? What are you doing? Where's your papers? I love that place. Yeah. I, that want more, is, I want more from that place. I want more of that in Star Wars, mm -hmm. in the stars. Because <laughs> you do get more of the impression that this, like, the entire galaxy is a police state. Mm. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Should we jump in and talk about Cassian Andor? I wrote, when he came on screen, I wrote, this is the dirty wars I need. I love this. Yeah. This movie seems dirty. He seems, he's not a great guy. Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, you know, he does dirty things for the, for the rebellion that, are, that good guys wouldn't normally do. But I like that about it. I like that, yes, the Empire, are they're the bad guys. Right. But that doesn't mean the, the, the rebellion is squeaky clean either. Yeah, I think that there was a perception, at least that I had, in the original trilogy. And even in this um, you know, sequel trilogy, because we saw the Resistance in Episode 7 before we saw this, mm -hmm. that the Resistance, <laughs> the rebellion, was, um, they're so different, how could I confuse them? They <laughs> was a bunch of kind of like, Aw shucks, golly gee, kind of Boy Scout and Girl yeah. Scout type characters. Um, that 
was not necessarily the case. For some reason, that was just the vibe I got. But this movie, once again, adds a level of complexity to the rebellion that you just, guys, mm-hmm. I like Star Wars so much. Yeah. I like this movie. If the Empire was going to have, if they're going to build up their propaganda against the rebellion, this is like the perfect place to do it. This is what could make you believe that from a certain point of view, the rebels were, yes. From a certain point of view. That the rebels were terrorists, that the rebels weren't necessarily the free empires. I'm actually, like, I'm kind of a slowpoke. I just started Lords of the Sith here, like, a few days ago. I'm reading that. And even in the first few chapters, it's, uh, basically the thrust of it is Sham Sandula, he's saying he's part of the free Ryloth movement, and you get people from the Empire making sure that, like, the other Imperials know, like, these are terrorists. These are not freedom fighters. And so you see, like, someone like Cassian Andor, if he's on, like, a Empire Most Wanted list, you could you could see how they could easily spin that into this guy is a terrorist, this guy is a dangerous sleeper cell, like a solo. I will say this. Uh, ooh, D- I couldn't think of his name. Diego La Luna. What's the name of that? Luna. La I was Lou. trying to think. I was trying to make a reference to the opening planet, and I couldn't oh. remember it. Diego Luna. Lamuna. He is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's great, and the tricky thing with this movie, and a lot of team up movies that you got like Avengers and like Justice League and stuff like that, is they have a lot of different characters. They have to establish their personalities very quickly, and they they did a great job in this moment when he shoots that contact out of. Respect for him because that dude was going to die 100% anyway. Yeah. But also, the fact that he did it shows a certain coldness, but you see regret in his face. Like, you get so much information about that character from just one moment and his performance. The look on his face that he gives of having to, like, he soaks it in. He doesn't shy away from it, but then he has to shrug it off and keep going. It's amazing what happens when you hire good actors. (laughs) Anyway. Wait a second. (laughs) Hold your butt. Anyway, I want to talk about that, too. Because I think this is, let's get back into pop culture shorthand. I feel like it was almost a reflexive response from people. When there's an action movie and there's an ensemble cast, there's almost like this reflexive need to say, well, it was a good, it was good action, but I didn't connect with the characters. And I felt like the complete opposite in this movie. We were, yeah, me too. we were given two hours to get to know an entire ensemble of people. And I feel like every single character, we were given sufficient information to get to know them. Like you were saying, that one look that Cassian gives, I feel like I needed, I got everything I needed to know about his character for this two hours that I was going to spend with him. I think this might be jumping ahead some, but, um, I know, but we're just, we did talk about how we can jump around. I know we're we're going all over the place. I went into this movie 100% expecting everyone to be dead at the end. I went into it that way. I, I figured everyone was going to die. Interesting. In about, um, like in the last half hour of the movie, I realized that I had forgotten that. Yeah, <laughs> I had I had like connected with these characters so much, and I liked them all. And all of a sudden, I had like this terrible thought when they're heading down to Scarif. I'm like, wait, all of these people are going to die. I I still believe they're going to die. I just had forgotten because I was so involved and I loved the cast. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible now. This movie's been compared by the uh, by Gareth Edwards and a lot of the people involved with it as a period piece because, you know, they had to recreate. 1977 Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, guys, the movie that changed the world. Well, and they recreated it so well. But they did. It looks great. They didn't shy away from adding new things mm-hmm. that we've never seen before, like the Ring of Kafreen and, yeah. uh, you know, Wobani and Jeddah and all the these The shield places. around the planet. Exactly. All these new things we've never seen before, even though it was, you know, taking place 90 seconds before A New Hope starts. We keep talking about the Ring of Kafreen. I need to pause for a moment. We talked before about how I have this laundry list of things that I just thought really looked cool in Rogue One. And the Ring of Kafreen is, like, one of the first ones that I saw where, like, wow, these are, like, two asteroids with, like, two cities. And because of gravity, they're, like, literally on top of each other. But everyone's just, like, walking on normal. And I like to think that we were on the part where it looks like it's upside down. Just, it's, like, it just <laughs> thinking nice. to yourself. Because you ever stop to think to yourself, like, wow, we're just on one big moving ball right now. We're going thousands of miles an hour in space. This is a really deep thought All that I can't time. imagine anybody's had before. Yeah, but it's like we get that thought, but we're not upside down on an asteroid rock for crying out loud. <laughs> I can't tell what level this is sincere and which part of it is a little bit sarcastic. It's about 70-30. <laughs> Give or take 50. Can I talk about Jeddah a little bit? Because soon after hey. that, we we cut to Bodhi on Jeddah. 
these new movies do something that I love. It goes back to what the uh, the original trilogy did, and the prequel tr- trilogy kind of shied away from. Oh boy, too. I this nonsense. Love subtitles in Star Wars. Yeah. I love Jabba needing a translator. I love Jawas being. Uh, you know, you can't tell what they're saying. You can't tell what Chewie's saying, and it it gets you away from the trap of well, this species has this accent. So you don't have to worry about that because it's just speaking another language. And I love that two tubes. I don't know his real name. I'm not a real fan. There's Idrio. I think it's Jim. One of those, whatever he is, whatever Isaac said, I like that he is in subtitles the whole time. Not everyone has to speak English. There are subtitles in the prequels. Some. Where? Where? Everything's got to be a French foreign film with Ryan. Where's the subtitles in the prequels? In Attack of the Clones, the uh, Geonosis. Genocians. Mm, okay, Genocians. So there you go. There's the one table around, you know, where the Techno Union Army guy's there. Yeah. Wow. Subtitles there. But he speaks English. He just has that weird thing. Shoe my well, he didn't get spoke <laughs> a different language. She was my the one. shoe. My oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia. Let, anyway, let I like th- subtitles. Yeah, that's really great. great. So the thing I was going to mention. <laughs> Your prequels oh, suck, you guys. Also, you guys this, suck. Ah! The prequels suck. This was like. <laughs> It wasn't even necessarily, because it wasn't on the soundtrack, believe me, I looked because it was my favorite piece of music from this movie. When we first go to Jetta, and you get, the, yeah, you get like the, the drums with a bow. Yeah. Wasn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isaac, I've never seen him as happy in his, in his entire life. I guess I like this movie, guys. The more I talk about he it, I like He is so happy. It is a good movie. The thing I was going to mention. Yes. Okay. This is a nitpick. Mm. Coming at you with Jake's Nitpicks, mm. volume 78. New listeners, Jake has nitpicks. So, when the stormtrooper comes up to, to Hagel Cassian, um, he says, let's see some identification, or whatever. He says, of course, it's just my gloves. And he's not wearing gloves. And then he leans down to a bag, and then he shoots the stormtroopers. What was he talking about with the gloves? Was he going to put gloves on before he handed them papers? I have no idea. I just always assumed that, like... He points to his bare hands and says, "Like he it's has just an eye- my gloves." I don't know. I my mind this just movie's terrible. <laughs> I went over it. I glossed over it because I just assumed like his gloves had identification in them or something. Like uh, you scan your hand. You I'm going to say like something a- right now. If there is a movie with a plot hole, it's a bad movie. <laughs> I'm going to write about it on a website. Say, looking, have you ever told like a butt faced lie? Just like when you're in a bind. <laughs> I don't think that's the phrase. <laughs> that's he. <laughs> He's just saying that because my face looks terrible. <laughs> It was the, the main inspiration. <laughs> but, okay, so, yeah, Je- Jetta, also, Jetta City, doesn't that look good too, guys? Yeah. I'm good Jetta, Jetta City. Do I have a note that I wrote down, and we're going to talk about it. This whole episode is just us complaining about complaints that people have about Rogue One, which is a little annoying. You're allowed to have your opinions, but if you don't agree Not with really. me, then you're wrong, and you shouldn't listen to the show. But, okay, people whose name shall remain Red Letter Media <laughs> and other cynical websites and stuff, Complain about Jeddah was just another desert planet. It was not. No. We have no. never seen a kind of like war-torn Middle East town in Star Wars. Like that, the visual style, yes, there was like some desert stuff happening. A yeah. little, there was like some sand. But <laughs> the visual nature of this city was completely unique. And this gets back into a thing that I was missing from The Force Awakens where you just – you get an establishing shot of this planet, and you see this incredible city, and you see creatures of all sorts of insane denominations walking around everywhere. And the statues outside the city. Statues oh. implying all sorts of mythology you yeah. can't even comprehend yet. You, in The Force Awakens, a movie that I like <laughs> a lot. I like it better more than this movie. But you get some trees, and you get some desert. You get a statue of get, Maz. And you get, hey, Maz, and you get some snow. See, I I guess maybe. That I, might be reductive a little bit. Well, we, I mean, Jakku, I think, has a really good look with all the crashed stuff. It's got, a, it's got a good look. It, I think that that looks indistinguishable from Tatooine. No, yeah, I can I can see that. If, if a cup of, like, two ships crashed on Tatooine, <laughs> it would look like Jakku. Yeah. Have you seen the visual guide for... Uh, Force Awakens, or went to the most boring panel of all time that we went to talking oh, about the visual guide for Force no. Awakens. Oh, you mean the art of? No. The art of. The yeah. art of panel. The original art they had for Jakku is so good that it's retro- retroactively 
decreased my enjoyment of Jack Q as a planet. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so much more ambitious and interesting. And basically, this long tirade was, I like that they're getting back to really ambitious-looking planets. You don't need them. No, you don't need a crazy planet. But it's just, it's adding a little, fl- it's adding some sprinkles on your donut. It's adding the blanket on your yeah. bed. <laughs> I'm, I really want to take an aside. Let's I'll talk about Gareth Edwards again, because... Please come on the my, show, Gareth. Oh, we, we like him. But a lot. The, the thing is with Gareth, I feel like he is the best case scenario of what people maybe were afraid of when this new canon happened, where all we were going to get was just like a bunch of pandering fan films <laughs> made by people who like Star Wars. And I think that's exactly what Gareth Edwards did, but he just seems so the. You, it's almost like you. T- they talk about how like you can tell someone cooked with love. Like <laughs> I feel like this movie, you can tell that he cooked it with love. Like, it, you just felt like he was so excited to be making a Star Wars movie, and he's had these ideas baking in his head since he saw the movies when he was a kid, and he finally got to put them all onto the screen for us. And just the things we've been talking about so far, he just put so many little details into this movie. He put so many cool things into it, and just little unique things that he may have had ideas for previously. I just really appreciate, like, the amount of care that went into the making of this film. Yeah. Every, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> every movie from here on out is going to be a fan film. Like, it, that's just that's just where we are, but mm-hmm. if they keep... You're not going to hire a dude who hates Star Wars. No, if they keep... Everyone they hire from now on is going to be someone who saw Star Wars when they were a kid. In 1977. In 1977, like a all of us. that changed the but world. But as long as they hire good, competent directors who will, you know, have a, a, a unique vision for the movie, it'll be good. Sometimes they're going to hire a Trevorrow. But most of the oh, times, boy. they're going to hire a, <laughs> a Ryan Johnson or a Gareth Edwards, and it's going to be good. Guys, we want to be positive <laughs> on the show, and we have this guy named Riley, <laughs> and he hates everything. He wakes up in the morning, positive. and he's frowning. It's like he remembers what existence is, and he's upset by it. He's got a little storm cloud hovering over him all the time. Should we keep talking about Jetta? Can sure. I talk about sports before we do that? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Okay. So please talk about your freshest to things. To wrap a cute little bow on, we've been talking about how just hiring different directors to do different do different Star Wars movies. What does make me optimistic for the future? And Jake's leaving. I get that hint. And you know how like people talk about how like a really good sports team or a really iconic one, like an Ohio State football or like an LA Lakers basketball. Every team that comes in to the field to the arena that night, that team is going to get the best shot from the other team because they're really good or they're really iconic and you're on your A game for the best. And you get these directors who are coming in and I feel like we're going to get the best of Gareth Edwards. We're going to get the best of Ryan Johnson. Whatever the best is that a director has to offer, we're going to get it. We're going to get the best of Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, but the best of Colin Trevorrow is like garbage. Riley is such a downer. (laughs) Just about Trevorrow. Let's get into Chariot and Bass because I want to talk about them. Yeah, buddy. And we meet them on Jeddah later in the movie, but we, who cares? We're not sticking with the we're plot. We're yumping around. Um, so I get the feeling where we have some different opinions from you two guys the right bands. here about oh. about Cheer It. Uh, so I would what? like to hear you guys not not as like as 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 far as his force use and things like that. Oh, That's what I want to hear sure. you guys talk about, sure. and then I will pick a side because it sounds like you guys are on different okay. sides. Maybe yeah. You're not. So off the bat, like this, force. my my source comes from the visual guide itself from our good friend Pablo who he's basically my best friend yeah he responded to one of my tweets once guys why isn't he already here on the show talking to us if you didn't think you were dealing with heavy hitters on this show (laughs) you were wrong and guys you know if you have a person on your show one time you can drop in casual conversation they are your best friend for life (laughs) good to know yeah it's true we should keep that in mind as we go forward in the podcast so Pablo Hidalgo in the visual guide explicitly states that Chirrut is not manipulating the force, that the force is working through him. And so it's like it's it's kind of going two separate directions. It's almost like one of like it's Newtonian, really, in the explanation of it. Almost like Chirrut is like a ball rolling downhill and he's like not giving resistance to it. He's letting the force work through him. When you're manipulating the force, it's more like you're you're pushing against that opposing force, you're pushing the ball uphill. And so it, it's almost like going two different directions. Chirrut is not manipulating the force. He's just going the complete other direction. It's all ball rolling and tissue having for this Isaac guy. It's going to be a fist fight before this day's over. <laughs> Remember when we used to love each other? <laughs> I mean it in good fun. I really hope I'm not actually offending Isaac. <laughs> we'll see. Stay oh, tuned, guys. I'm sorry. No! I'll shut up. 
I'll just be, talk. I'll be nice about everything from now on. Boy. <laughs> I like Star Wars. What are we talking about? Oh, oh, cheer. Oh, what, yeah, what's your what's your opinion of Cheer? You know, I no, I um I do think it's a little debate. Well, I guess it's not, because you just said Pablo in the book said that it's not. But no, again, my, that's not I, that's not canon. The the visual dictionaries aren't canon, are That's they? literally canon. Are the visual dictionaries? Yeah, that's like basically a dictionary you... is canonical to the United States of America. <laughs> I, well, I I mean, just don't know was, if everything in those are. It was like context provided by a member of the story group to yeah. a movie on screen. So. I think Paolo would be the first to tell you that. I'm going to say this right he now: can't, he can't make all those decisions. I don't really I don't care about, about canon. canon. Yeah. Anyway, I don't care about canon. I only care chips. about canon. Oh, well, quality <laughs> means nothing to me in the face <laughs> of continuity. <laughs> I, I agree with with you guys. I don't think. When I first saw it, I thought it was a little ambiguous. Increasingly, I, I think it's clear that, no, he was letting the Force use him. He was like, I'm going to be a vessel for the Force. He always says it. The Force is with me. And that's the thing. Like, he just, he trusts in it. He trusts in it to guide you. But th- here's the thing that I have a question about. If you are letting the Force guide you and partially controlling your actions like a Jedi, mm-hmm. At what point are you just a Jedi? Because that that's what a Jedi does. Is they let go of their emotion, and they let the Force work through them. That's what well, Chirrut does. But if he starts trying to control it, he's not going to get anywhere. He has to let himself open yeah, that's up true. to the Force. And if he closes himself, if a Jedi closes himself to the Force, he can still jump 20 feet in the air. Not not what? closes himself in, in regards to the for, letting the Force work through him to accomplish whatever the Force wants to well, accomplish. Remember, we, have a whole other uh, said, we really do. Obi Wan said in A New Hope, "It also obeys your commands." That's what I meant to yeah. say. I'm not a real fan. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I've only seen it 497. <laughs> no kidding. But I think I think the first line you hear him say, which is what, um, he says, "May the force of others be with." Oh, may the yeah, force yeah. of others be with you, which and that's the, and that was the original thing. But I think it yeah. speaks volumes about. What Chirrut is doing. He speaks in a quiet volume in that scene because you can't <laughs> really hear him very well. But he's letting the force of others and of the universe and whatever you want to believe the force is, he's letting that be with him, even though I don't think he really uses, he can't use the force. He can't jump, mm. he can't push people with the force, but he's letting the force of others be with him. Right. He spent a lot of time around Kyber crystals and around other Jedi in that temple before it was destroyed. And they were destroyed. So I think, yeah, I guess we're all in agreement. That wasn't. I'm going to step outside of the movie. Yeah, I'm going to step outside of the movie for one hot minute and just say I think Chirrut might be my favorite character from Rogue One. He's very good. I feel like the way this movie was marketed, he was not presented as what he actually was in the movie, which, in my opinion, was like one of the most charming characters I've seen on screen in a long time. Long Mm -hmm. time. Yes. But calm down. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really liked how he was no, presented. No, I totally feel you on that. Yeah. yeah, it was he was he had this like calmness, this sweetness, this humor to him that guys, I like Sherrod Emway. <laughs> I scene. Sure. I think K two is so funny in this movie. But I think mm. Chirrut gets uh, oh, someone doesn't like K two. I have some notes. <laughs> but Chirrut gets a, a great mix of the humor plus the serious moments when he needs to be, plus the deep introspective moments with the force when he needs to be and i think k2 is kind of a one note character and i love that note jake hates that note i love the one <laughs> note i love the one note that k2 is but he really is one note but cheer it i think is many notes he's yeah. he's a chord did you notice how he like he just sat on a dead stormtrooper after <laughs> that was one of my yeah, notes that's great yeah he after he beats them all he just sits down on top of a stormtrooper's chest it's a great moment if you haven't noticed it um check it out uh, okay, I got a hot take. We're talking about favorite characters in the movie. Yeah. My favorite character is Jin Erso. Oh! I don't think that's hot. That hot is, take. I like Jin a lot. It that's is because she's my least favorite, but go. Oh, well, okay. This is a thing that I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of people say she had no character. She was just Ray 2.0. And I totally disagree with that. Oh, I, th- I think that I l- her performance in this movie is so good. People have called it one note. I don't get that at all. My favorite scene for her, possibly, all her scenes are great. When she is initially um, captured by the the rebellion, (laughs) they're reading off of her, you know, offenses. Cassian comes up, and he's asking her information about her father. Her face, as she considers every response, is great. Like, she is thinking a little bit. She has a little sarcastic comment 
But you can tell that she's really analyzing how she's going to answer to these people that she doesn't trust. Her her performance is great. I really like her character. I think that there's a lot more depth to her than people give her credit for. <laughs> she, yeah, I and I think it's all on Felicity Jones because I totally. think she plays it really well. She's adding things that aren't in the script. And I this see, is yeah. to a larger point that I have. So she plays this movie with her face more than I've seen in a long time. And and the okay. line readings are not she doesn't have that much to say honestly. She's got one big monologue. Yeah. But she plays this movie with her face and I think she does great. That's my other favorite scene. Maybe we should just analyze this by character. That might work. That would but be the fun. um we've been doing it kind of unintentionally. Yeah, we kind of have. There's that moment and it her interplay with Cassian is great because it's so contentious for so much of the movie. She's just seen this transmission from her father then Jetta uh, crumbles Jetta City anyway. And Cassian says, you have that recording, right? You have that. Mm. And her face of just like devastation. <laughs> like, oh. It breaks my heart like every time. Like I start feeling ways about things. She looks like she's about to start crying way. like right there. Yeah. She's just like, I can't believe I didn't think to do Like, and she knows that people aren't going to believe her. Mm-hmm. She, she's so good in this movie. It might, my favorite part is her confrontation with Saul Guerrero. I'm not going to reveal how I feel about Saul Guerrero. <laughs> quite yet but she is fantastic just the the complete coldness she has towards him while kind of fighting that resentment that she has it's I, all but, in her performance none of it's but, in the script but she also plays a little bit of when she first sees him she smiles because that is that's been her dad right? for a long time right she's fighting so a lot of different emotions when she first sees him she's happy then she's like wait this dude left me i'm not happy and it all happens in a matter of a second and it's great that's what's so cool about her is there's, there's such an amount of complexity that she is adding to the performance i don't i don't think it's there on the page yeah here's an example of what does not work for me in that category bodie rook Oh, you don't like Bodie? He's grown on me a lot. I, one of my uh, notes here is, is it Riz Ahmed? Or is it Riz? Riz. Riz. Riz Ahmed's performance, I've liked him in other things. He's a very good actor. I think his character is underserved and uneven. I think that... What do you mean by underserved? So he is giving this performance that is insane. <laughs> he is like constantly trembling and bumbling and stuttering and his eyes are bugging out of his head with fear all the time. So, 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 like he's always freaking out. Yeah, keep to him. He's always like, he, if someone's about to stab him in the face, and he's like talking his way out of a jam. I think it's because he's about to get stabbed in the face at all that times. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But he's like that, and he's jittery to like a cartoonish degree almost. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite there in his character. Like I think it's something that he's trying to bring to the character. Because when you look at what's on the page for him, when you look at the dialogue. There's not a lot going on with Bodie Rook, I don't think. There's some interesting things. Mm-hmm. His defection, his speech about how Galen was the one to convince him to, you know, turn back from the Empire, is good. He's swinging a little too hard for me at was, this performance. That reminds me. Uh, I watched the the special features for Rogue One. They talked to Riz Ahmed, and he talked about how. Like he he swung for the fences trying to get this part. I think I remember him saying like I believe he, it. He gave like countless takes for like uh, interpretations of the Bodhi Rook character. You know what? We should talk about that. That is a thing that um, after the movie came out, there was a lot of interviews with the cast. They all said that they did a million takes of all these scenes, and that Gareth Edwards kept on getting like completely different versions, completely different takes from them, like. Now do it this way. Now do it this way. And so they didn't know what the final product was even going to look like. Some directors want you to do it the same way every time. Right. Gareth Edwards was like, try doing it a little he's, funnier. Try he doing likes it. editing a lot. Yeah. So he yeah, he's very much like George Lucas. <laughs> and yeah, only that is an interesting... I didn't mean to interrupt you. That was an interesting no. yeah. fact to me that... And I totally buy it. And mm-hmm. so clearly, the takes that he was doing were the ones that Gareth Edwards liked. Because I totally... No, but he did it a different way. And the ones that I liked. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> Editor Riley over here. Because as I talked about before, how it feels like Gareth Edwards poured his heart and soul into this movie. Like, I think that was with Riz Ahmed. He poured his heart and soul into this part. So maybe maybe you're right in that the character of Bodie Rook wasn't expected to maybe give as a dynamic a performance as Riz Ahmed decided to give to him. But Riz Ahmed was like, you know what? This is my Star Wars movie, and I am just going to go for it. I feel it. I don't feel like his performance was dynamic. That was my kind of my problem is he kind of had this one note the whole time. And nervous. 
he was real nervous, but he never seems to overcome that. Even at the very end of the movie, I mean, he has that moment where he finally overcomes his nerves and he does the thing, mm -hmm. which is great. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Sometimes a performance just doesn't connect with you. That's yeah. one for me. But I've heard people say that Bodie Rook's their favorite character in the movie. So Jake and I, I have it. switched places for this episode because <laughs> I, I just I love this movie All so much. All of my notes are negative things. And every movie, everything you you say like it just didn't work for me. I'm like, well, it worked. Like yeah. it all works. This for is what me it feels like movie. to be me. The last two episodes. <laughs> you really. know what? I, what I really liked about Bodie Rook's character is that remember Jake, you were talking about at the, toward the beginning was how we got to see more of the empire and like kind of the iron grip they had on the galaxy. I feel like with Bodhi Rook, we also got to see more of the empire in terms of everyone in the empire. Wasn't like the guy with the hat over his head on rebels, like just another officer right, right. where there were also That's some point. like scared little lap dogs in yeah. the empire. And they weren't all these gruff people looking to move up in the world. Like some of them were kind of chickens like Bodhi. Well, I will say this. That's a really good point, and I hadn't thought about it from that point of view, because one thing I really like is the opening scene, which I didn't like at first, and it's grown on me, is this idea that Krennic is coming to their house to whisk away Galen and Lyra against their will. They don't want to serve the Empire, mm -hmm. but they don't have a choice, because <laughs> the Empire is the Empire. And so then you see a character like Bodhi, who's clearly, this is not his bag, being in the Empire, but he was afraid for a long time to leave. Uh, so even as I'm talking about it, it's growing on me a little bit. But hey, Bodhi's his favorite character now, guys. <laughs> guys, it's the greatest movie ever made. Bodhi's the best. He's, his performance grows on me every time I watch it. And that is the thing I can say with this movie. It gets better every time you watch yeah, it. Yeah, it really does. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, we've talked about a lot of the characters so far, and I do like how we're going with this discussion. One thing I did want to hit on, I though, I think our podcast is pretty far, good, too. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I like the way we're going with this. But I want to talk about how another complaint I heard was that Act 1 was a little bit too all over the place for some people, especially the opening cuts of different planets. So what was our general consensus on how much the movie moved in the first half hour, basically? You know, it's, it's tough for me. I've seen it a few times now. My feeling on it at first was that... Not even that it moved too much, but that the significance of the movement was not clear to me. All the cuts are to very emotional moments for these characters, but you don't care about them yet. So it was like, what? Like, you know, the, the opening of this scene, and I'm going to apologize right now. I say like so much, and it's not getting any better. <laughs> I noticed that for but myself. The, I listened to Revenge of the Sith. I said like so much. I was about to punch myself through the phone. Guys, we don't like the podcast either. Mm -hmm. We're just doing the best we can. The, um... The opening scene of the movie, highly emotional. Jin's mom gets shot. Galen gets taken away. It highly emotional, but you don't care about the characters yet. You haven't connected with them yet. So it's a little like, eh. And then you see Diego Luna shooting a dude, and you're like, what? And then you see Bodhi Rook, and he's freaking out, and there's two tubes being intimidating, and you're like, what? But when you watch it, and you understand the characters, it's kind of like how you think that season one of The Office is the worst season because you don't know the characters yet, but then when you go back and watch it, it's secretly pretty great. Oh, it's heartbreaking to see Jim watch Roy and Pam like kiss each Absolutely, other. Absolutely, because yeah. now you have knowledge and a, Basketball a care episode. of the characters. Are we talking Office right now? <laughs> Guys, let's sidebar for one second. We'll talk about The Office. <laughs> oh, we're not actually going to do it. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of a nice little uh, point to talk about, too where this maybe was a movie that almost, like, wants you to see it twice to get the full emotional impact. And that's, like, I feel like, which I think is kind of fair sometimes because I don't expect to have to watch a movie twice to get the full resonance of it. But it, it's almost, Star Wars does feel like its own breed in a way where it's, the, a lot of the material is made with the knowledge that it's going to be consumed more than once. It's going to be dissected, like, within an inch of its life. There's a reason why J.J. Abrams movies get great critical reception and great box office returns and you walk out of the theater and all your friends and you were talking about how great it was. But then you get all these articles a week later talking about there was 27, 800 plot holes in the movie because I think J.J. Abrams is amazing at making a movie that works immediately and that you connect with immediately like Force Awakens. I think the reason why I like it more is how immediate it is and how effortlessly it gets you to care about every single one of the characters mm -hmm. before you even see their faces. This movie, it wasn't until towards the end of the movie that I was really invested in them. It wasn't until 
they had all had some conflict together. And it wasn't like, you know, every movie you have to introduce the characters and care about them. You can't immediately be super empathetic for everybody. But this movie almost expected you to be. It expected you to be empathetic of all these characters that you didn't yeah. know yet. And what was good about Force Awakens, it introduced you to these characters kind of before there was a massive emotional moment that you really had to connect with. You cared about Finn before you even knew who was under the mask. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's my you, feeling on J.J. versus Gareth yeah, Edwards' first directing. I think I, I would almost like to save this for like a future episode. But that's something I've thought a lot about, too, where Star Wars definitely is graded on its own curve. And I think that people kind of have mixed, even some Star Wars fans have mixed feelings, hey, if Wars that's fans. fair or not. Hey, how you doing? But it's because these movies want you to watch them more than once. And I can have the story group and different people tell me all they want, that Star Wars is a buffet or Star Wars is something you can pick and choose from. But Star Wars fans typically are their own breed who want, I know for myself, I want to consume all that I can to get the most context possible. So there is that kind of nagging feeling of I should probably take in this sub-material and have it inform my view of the movies, which are sort of the main event of the Star Wars universe. And so it's like, is it fair that you're going to need the Catalyst novel to get the full appreciation of the first five minutes of Rogue One? Is it fair we need to watch Rogue One twice to get the full emotional impact of the first act of the movie? Are all of these things, like, is it fair that Star Wars gets to separate itself from maybe even, like, the Marvel Universe from different movies that you can probably just watch once and go on with your life? It's an interesting... It's a thing I think about a lot because I like a lot of critically derided movies um, that... I've seen a couple times and I've grown to appreciate the intent behind them, but there is an expectation that a movie like Star Wars be immediate and be an immediate crowd pleaser. And there's also an assumption, I think, by a lot of critics perhaps, that there's not a lot going on under the surface there. And that's unfortunate because I agree with you. I don't know where I fall on it. I like a movie that I can watch multiple times and get something out of it, perhaps over 500 times. <laughs> But the, it, it's also, the movie has to work on its own. This movie clearly did. It, it was a huge hit. It connected with people. People really like Rogue One. But I would recommend, if you're listening to our show and you've only seen it the one time in theaters, it's one to revisit because I wasn't crazy about it at first, and it's now a favorite of mine. What are your quick feelings on that, Riley? What do you think? I got nothing to say. I haven't said anything Same in like 10 minutes. But no, I, <laughs> I, I, I like this movie a lot. The... I don't even remember what the original subject was. Did it move too fast in the beginning? Is that yeah. what we were talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we never got that. That was a ago. long time we ago. We never got Riley's opinion on that. Boy, oh boy, I'm a bad host. Um, Riley, what do you think? The first time, yeah, I, it jumped around a lot, and I had read the, the novel, so I cared about the character some, but it still made a lot of cuts to a lot of different characters real fast. But that's done after like 20 minutes, and now when I watch it, yeah, it's fine because I know all these people and I don't mind the cuts. The first time it was a little jarring, but... I and like having, it now. Having the Chirons for the planets was a little weird too. Oh, I liked that. But no, you I know ended what? Up liking it. It's good because now I can name Star Wars planets. Yeah, I was never able to do that before. <laughs> so, and so I never gave my opinion either. On <laughs> wow, this is all. <laughs> this has been all Jake all the time on Grand Moff talking. Oh no, I'm delicately sorry, curated long form Jake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was. I kind of. I, I have something to say. I'm just kidding. Oh boy. I uh, I. I like the the jumping around. I, I expected something different from this movie, and I feel like right off the bat, that's what I got from this movie. And so I was already kind of, I was seasoned, I was prepared, I was, I got what I wanted from this movie, like right off the bat. I think it's also like part of my enthusiasm. Like it's, this movie is like a special little treat for a Star Wars fan, and it was delicious. So, all right, so guys, we had so much fun talking about uh, Rogue One. That we never stopped talking we about We never it. stopped talking about it. So in lieu of uh, just giving you one long episode, we'll cut this up into two episodes so you can prolong the enjoyment, if you will. Hmm. And so next week we'll pick right up where we left off and we'll just drop you right into uh, to a scenario like they did in A New Hope, which hmm. is the seminal movie in the Star Wars franchise. All right. So we're finishing up this episode right now, but we kind of want to give a few little plugs here just so if oh. you guys want to interact with us a little bit. Sure. We're, if you're on Twitter, guys, 
We uh, we welcome you to follow us. We are at Grand Moff Talking. There is no apostrophe at the end there. It is just Grand Moff Talking, one word, all lowercase. Grammatically incorrect. And guys, do you want to give your personal Twitter handles if people want to talk to you? Nah. I don't remember what it is. I think it's... <laughs> I'll give it. <laughs> I think it's Riles Bowman because Riley You're Bowman right. was unavailable. So it's just R-I-L-E-S-B-O-W-M-A-N. Mine's J-A-C-O-B-C-R-I-T-E-S. <laughs> what does that spell? At Twitter.com. <laughs> I forgot how handles work. Oh man, Twitter. it's yeah. at Jacob Kreitz, and then oh, go back to. We the also spelling. have a an e. A, um, excuse me, I can't speak. I an lost edu? the ability. We have an edu. We have an email address, grandmoftalkin at gmail.com, No apostrophe. So if you have questions or comments, or you just want to say something to us, and we, hey, I will reply because we get zero emails, so we guys, will reply for sure. My Twitter handle is at <laughs> irec e y e w r e c k. If anyone cares to know. And we can put these in the show notes for this one, and that way people will know. That is true. So sure. we'll do that. But we and, did spell it, too. And maybe at some point down the road, we'll get onto other social media platforms. We're That's talking okay. about making a little website for ourselves, maybe. I don't know. if Do people really go to podcast websites? No, but it's important to have one because <laughs> you need right. to have it in your logo because that, I guess, makes you feel big time. Yeah. I want to feel big concerned. time. Sure. And that's what we're going for. So, yeah, guys, that's where to reach us. And also, we, we would love it if you would rate us on Apple Podcasts. That mm, Please do. That'll make us climb the ladder. That'll give our life value. It'll yeah. give you something to do with your pitiful little life. You don't even have to, <laughs> you don't even have to write real words in the review. No. Just give us five stars. Type on that keyboard. Click on the five-star yes. button. Just rub your little butt all over the keyboard for like five <laughs> Just seconds. Just sit on the keyboard. Give us. Make sure five stars gets hit, though, before you hit send, though. It's hard to click it with your butt, so yeah. use your hand for Click that it one. or tick it, you guys. Hey, yeah. that's a good message to go out on. Yeah, I disagree. But uh, <laughs> So rate us, review us anywhere you uh, see fit, and... Once again, this has been another delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voice of your hosts, Riley. Hey. And Jake. Bye. <laughs> and Isaac. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Okay, so that's the first one. We, gotta, we don't need any of Oh, it's so, okay. I'm cutting this whole part out. No, you're not. <laughs> no, no, no. All the good, all the parts where I talk get cut out. Surprising. <laughs> <laughs>